Hello and welcome to Basel Tov, the courage and creativity of ADHD. I'm Jen. I'm Ellen. And I'm Annette. And today we're going to be talking over ADHD and crisis. So I know people talk sometimes about going into crisis mode and, you know, what does that really mean? And I, for neurotypicals, crisis mode can mean something like completely freaking out and melting down because, you know, something big, major um, and sensational has happened, like somebody gets in a car wreck or whatever. And a lot of people lose their heads, but there are some people who stay cool as a cucumber, who just kind of let things roll off or seem to always know what to do. Mm -hmm. Those people are ADHD people. (laughs) So we're going to get into the science of why that is and what's happening really when you're going into crisis mode and it doesn't even seem like you're in crisis mode and maybe what we can do to help out those poor neurotypicals who just can't get their shit together. Um, <laughs> the only time we can say this. I, I, I it, had to yeah. say it. It feels yeah. like one of, the, one of the ADHD superpowers, if you will. You know, the ability to kind of calmly navigate a crisis from time to time. Not always, but a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably most crises can yeah. be navigated with a somewhat cool head and a much different perspective than a lot of other people carry into a crisis situation. So when we're dealing with crisis, we've got an immediate call to attention and that's like a dopamine rush. So people with a normal level of dopamine circulating in their body, I mean, that's going to be like a dopamine overload for them. It's going to start frying tiny little brain circuits or whatever i don't know i i'm not the scientist here that's that's we, lo- we you know, love garbage science, garbage science. <laughs> so oh, no. i just like to picture the neurotypicals with little brain fires that's all yeah yeah all that dopamine it's like raining dopamine during a crisis and neurotypicals are just like what the fuck they're just overflowing with dopamine can't handle yeah. it yeah yeah well and- y- yeah it's it's adrenaline and it's your fight or yeah. flight reflex. And yeah. a lot of people will choose to run away either mentally or physically in a state of crisis. They mm-hmm. either become paralyzed like a deer in the headlights or, you know, they run. And for a thousand reasons, people with ADHD just don't tend to do that. We tend to be able to look at the situation very focused and start getting into action where everybody else is running around screaming fire yeah it's almost like you can kind of objectively look at this situation it's it's almost like it's happening in slower time you're like analyzing it like oh okay this is what's happening here this is what needs to happen it's a problem that needs to be solved that's what adhd people do really well is we solve problems Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you just compartmentalize. Yeah, creatively, exactly. Impulsively and creatively. And then we, just, <laughs> we we can compartmentalize. So there's this really scary thing happening right now. This person needs CPR, but we're just we're not even gonna attach ourselves to the emotions of this situation. We're gonna stuff that down, deal with it tonight, <laughs> and you know, yeah. deal with what needs to get done. And I think that you touched on something that's very interesting because I would not 
necessarily say that in a crisis, normal neurotypical people would be feeling dopamine reactions. The reason why ADHDers feel dopamine reactions is because it's something we hyper-focus into and oh, that gives it us the our interest. Yes. Yeah, we're interested in it and focused mm-hmm. on it. it. Even though, even if it's something awful and scary, it's like, oh, we got to work on It has our attention. This. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Your brain Maybe it's boner. because it breaks through the mundane. Because, I mean, ADHD yeah. people hate mundane stuff, like paperwork mm-hmm. and sitting at the DMV. Oh, my God. So, like... If the, something breaks out of the mundane, if if something completely weird is happening, like, you know, a gaggle of clown mask people with guns come into the DMV all of a sudden, you're going to be really super focused on that. All of a sudden, it's interesting. Holy yeah. crap, I can focus on this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. That would definitely get your attention. Yep. Exactly. And then all of your years of watching... like dramatic movies and action flicks kicks in and you're like okay look for the exits yeah (laughs) okay so this is something i was thinking about today you know i'm the inattentive type and so my brain's a little different than you guys i know that you both kind of have more of like an internal monologue a a little more we've talked about that or like you just you can hear your thoughts a little more your thoughts are a little more active than mine let's say and Mm -hmm. so one thing i've heard about adhd people is that they're constantly thinking about okay what can happen next if you're driving on the road you're focused you're like man what if that truck just exploded in front of me what would i do you know you're maybe some of that's anxiety (laughs) too i think some of that's anxiety but you're just constantly thinking what could go wrong and so when something does go wrong it's like oh i already planned this out of my brain so we're good you know i know what to do now (laughs) so like that's not something that i do necessarily but i think that's something a lot of people do it's so i totally do it's totally yeah yeah yeah, absolutely (laughs) i'm just the other day i was driving on the freeway behind a logging truck and there was all these logs and i was like what would happen if the logs just like started coming through and like hit the windshield yeah tried to like crash into my car that's a final destination shit right there yeah yeah. Yeah. like but i'm like thinking through all of the different scenarios just because i'm driving behind this and i was like Mm -hmm. maybe i should like not be driving behind this car (laughs) oh my gosh this uh past weekend for mother's day we went out to the coast and there was part of the coastal highway and anybody who lives in Oregon knows that the coastal highway every once in a while will just fucking implode. It'll just sink right into the ground Hmm. um, because of landslides. So, um, and the coastal highway, the highway 101 goes all the way from some part of Washington, all the way down the west, the coast of Oregon and into, I I think it stops at Los Angeles. No, it goes all the way down to Mexico. Does it? The 101? I thought that was the 5. The 5 goes all the way down, but the 101, yeah, it goes all the way down. Okay. For some reason, I thought it stopped around somewhere around Los Angeles. 
I'm no, because we used to well, take the 101 down to San Diego all the we'll, time. We'll oh, fact check. Okay. We'll fact check this after the episode. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so we we were driving along part of the 101 that had already collapsed before because we could see part of the old highway down a ravine below us on the oh. other side. And I was like, "Oh, look! It's the old Highway 101." Like, wow. <laughs> and then, and we were kind of chuckling about it, but then I sat there and I was like, okay, what if the big earthquake happened right now? Yeah. And all of a sudden there. the highway started sinking into the ground. What would I do? Like, <laughs> dude, yes. I know you're always, it's always those what if scenarios that come up in ADHD brains. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially I, if you have anxiety, I think. Oh, I'm thinking of the yeah. one. Oh. The 101 turns into the one. Okay. Oh, 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 okay. Okay. Right. I get that confused too, since I grew up in California and Oregon. So thank you. Yeah. And I grew, I grew up in Southern California. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, yeah, it ends in Los Angeles. You are correct. Yes. I got something correct today. (laughs) But But today was a day that I felt like I couldn't get things correct. Like, because. Uh, there was a situation, a crisis, if you will, oh. at my kid's school today um, where there were bullets found in both of my kids' classrooms. And, oh, my God. Yeah. And they're, uh, they're not from this house. <laughs> I'm just going to, yeah. you know, so, like, just, they, you, spoiler they... alert, they're not from here. <laughs> but, did they but find they were them from... in another kid's backpack or something? Or like... They said that they searched the school and they searched desks of kids that they suspected to be oh. at fault for this. Um, and there was... So one of my one of my um, kids friends actually got pulled out of school early today because they thought he was the source and they searched his desk and found nothing, I guess. And I don't know. So I don't know if there was something else to that or whatever. But um, then my son was telling me that there was a kid in his class who had a pocket full of bullets. And I was like, did you tell somebody? And he was like, no, nobody told anyone. And I was like, your whole class knew about this? And he goes, well, a lot of people knew about it. And I was like, oh, all right, we got to call and tell him. So we ended up calling, telling the school and, you know, letting him know that we know at least one kid. <laughs> but it still begs the question of how it got into a, a classroom on the complete opposite end of the school. Yeah. Uh, in a completely different age group. Um, so that was also really strange so and like probably passing them out i don't even know it definitely there was some bragging going on about having these things and um yeah so uh, there's there's probably a lot to this situation that's just unknown by us anyway but um it just it makes you feel like oh my gosh i have to do something now but what do i do yeah. So now I'm facing this kind of weird crisis situation where it's like, well, do I homeschool my kids again? Do I um, try to get them into a different school? There's no guarantee that this won't just happen again at a different school. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. You know what to do. So sitting thinking about that. But something I didn't do was freak out, start crying. I had a mm-hmm. very rational conversation with with my kids about what to do if there is a shooter and um, 
you know, since their action plans of, at that school just include hiding under desks, I told them to break the windows and leave. Oh, God. <laughs> I was I did, like, don't I do that. It's good. Don't listen to your teachers on this one. It'll get you killed. Yeah, um, dude, get, the, <laughs> get the fuck out of there. If somebody starts shooting it up, break exactly, a window. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. Break the windows. Get the hell out. It's much better than just sitting around under your desks where you're just literally a sitting duck for, for stuff. So it's really we sad. had an unfortunate yeah. conversation that like, yeah. I felt like crying. I felt like being emotional, but I, I held on to it because, you know, I knew that I would scare the crap out of them if I approached that conversation the wrong way. Yeah. Right. It's, oh God, it's so hard to talk with. Yeah. When there's a crisis like that, you have to talk to other people or your kids about it yeah it's, it's hard to you kind of have to mask a little bit hold it together yeah exactly and i know that like there were so many feelings going through my head like why should i have to talk to my kids about this because some asshole out there is being really really just irresponsible with their ammunition and their firearms like why should everybody else's families have to suffer all the people who are being responsible and all of the people who, you know, have locks on these things or have have some kind of control over this over the situation? And then you got these people who are totally irresponsible and just they should never have guns like these mm -hmm. people should never have firearms in their houses because they can't keep them. Our whole country is in, in a crisis. Cold. We're in a crisis right now with that. Yeah. So that's, yes. you're, you're navigating. That's a, not a crisis that I have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. No. You're good in Japan right now. You're safe over there. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So Jen, yeah. You're, you're dealing with an acute crisis at your school, but also part of a larger yeah. problem, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm not sure if we can, if we, if it's fair to say that the United States has a gun crisis because it's been going on since we were kids i know kids going it's into schools enough, and shooting like, other kids you can't even it's it been so anymore. long <laughs> that it doesn't feel fair to call it a crisis it feels right. fair to call it willful endemic. ignorance mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it's endemic endemic crisis endemic to the culture crisis kind of implies that it's a phase and you're going to recover from that but really... or like it's a one-off thing it's yeah. a surprise but yeah. at this point when there's yeah is there is there really any surprise if there is a school shooting at American schools? However, right now? it's expected now. Yeah, but however, if your kid's school started getting shot up, that is in fact a crisis. Oh, it is. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, no, yeah, that's true. because the then it's more personal actions. to you, right? Yeah, the individual actions, the individual events are a crisis, mm -hmm. but the overall Every time. theme of it is no longer a crisis. It's, it's more endemic in our society. And, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, we need younger representatives. We need people from our generation <sighs> who are yeah. tired of not having gun control and who are not owned by the NRA and the gun companies yeah. that to make good legislation. Please. At this point, the NRA should just be labeled as the terrorist organization it is. <laughs> It's yeah. just like we got to get these these. There's so much greed and corruption going on. Oh, anyway, yeah, we're not a political <laughs> show. I guess we should get too far yeah. into the weeds, but ah, yeah, <laughs> it's a crisis anyway. Yeah, <laughs> crisis, oh, crisis. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know and what Annette. I like. You know what I like about that word. Uh -huh. I know that uh, I don't. Uh, 
Well, I, I love the author Glennon Doyle, but so it's like a quote from her, but she says that the, like the Greek root of the word crisis means to sift. And so I like oh, that. Yeah. It's like a crisis. It does kind of sift your life. You know, it's like just instantly in that moment, only the important things matter. It'll just mm-hmm. strip yes. away everything that's not important. And so it's, it's almost like the silver lining of a crisis, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. So I like that. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like, and, and that, that really does like speak to me at this point today, because like I was having a conversation with my older child, the one who's, you know, he's an adolescent at this point and he just, he understands far more than my younger one. And I was having to tell him stuff like you break the windows, you tell as many people to follow you as you can, but you don't try to save them because they're not your responsibility. You just got to get out. And anybody who's on the floor, that's they're on the floor. You just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And like, Mm -hmm. and having to tell your child something like that is like gut wrenching, gut wrenching. Yeah, absolutely. Gut wrenching, (laughs) especially because I had to you know, also think about my other child. And he was like, well, do I go back for her? And so then there's the gotcha of, okay. So yeah, so then I had to tell him the unfortunate, go back for her if it's possible. Mm -hmm. But if she's down, you run. (laughs) I mean, this is a conversation no mother should, no parent should have to have with their child. No, no parent should have to have this conversation. But we're getting to the point where it's becoming really normal. So use your votes, people. And that's the last political thing I'm going to say about it. Um, (laughs) That's right. So, yeah. So, um, but Annette, you've also had your own share going on over the past couple days of crisis mode. Oh, (laughs) how did you end up responding? Oh, like I always do, you know, just (laughs) chill and, you know, get everything done that needs to be done and put your head down and you do what needs to be done. And then after it's all done, then you start processing what happened. So, yeah, yeah, I've, I mean, I've been, I've dealt with crisis many times. I was in the Mm -hmm. earthquake here in Japan, the huge one. Yeah. uh, That was scary. I was, yeah, I was the only one in my classroom who had any, like, because I was with a bunch of foreigners learning Japanese at the time. And uh, all of them for like from Scandinavian countries or China and uh, Korea. And none of them had experience being in a big earthquake. I'm Californian. I'm cool. And um, <laughs> but that it was a huge earthquake. I, I have never experienced anything like that. And I was always, they wanted to run into the classroom. I'm like, no, 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 everybody. Under the tables. That's where you're safe. Were you on the ground level? Now, how how till, high up were you? No, we were up. We were up on the third or fourth floor. Okay. So, but the hallway was covered in glass mirror. Wow. And I was like, "Don't leave the classroom while it's still shaking. That mirror can break. You know, shatter everywhere." It did. Yeah. I was right. But I was just like, everybody, you cannot be running downstairs while shaking is happening. Just chill. And like, mm. I was totally calm. I was watching buildings out the window, just swaying. Wow. And I was just like, cool. Okay. And it was kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually, I had a good time. 
you know. <laughs> it sounds dopamine. weird to say that. Yeah. yeah, it sounds weird to say that, but I had a good time. I like even now I'm like that was kind of fun. It was like riding a roller coaster. Wow. And so um this just yesterday, my my husband has not been feeling very well recently and um he had a fever and has had been coughing. And then yesterday morning he woke up and his fever was like 39.8 degrees Celsius. So it's like 103.5 or something. So it was a very high fever. Yeah. And he couldn't walk. Like he was, he couldn't even stand up like barely. And um, so when he came downstairs at first, he was kind of walking and he was like, I need to go to the doctor's office. And I was like, okay. So I started researching what doctor's offices were open. And because of Corona, there's a lot of policies being put around hospitals if you have a fever. So you have to call or uh, you have to make appointments. And he he was just like crashing in front of my eyes. Oh. And I was just like, are, are you okay? And he was like, I think you need to call the ambulance. I don't know if I can sit in a waiting room. Yeah. And so I said, okay. And so I handed the phone to my mother-in-law Um she called the ambulance because uh, I just didn't want to mess anything up. Yeah. So that was yeah. the logic. She was standing there. It was the logic. Yeah. Decision. You delegated that task so, basically. Yeah. yeah. So I, I got his health insurance card and everything ready for him to go. Went downstairs, opened the door for the ambulance, helped him down the stairs, you know, and got him into the ambulance. They were hooking him up and I was, I was just sitting there waiting for him, waiting with him. And, uh, they were, they were trying to find which hospital they could take him to. And, uh, so there's, they said, okay, well, we're going to take him to this hospital. So, um, I, uh, you can ride with us. And I, I, I looked at him and I said, if I ride with you and he goes to the hospital, but he can come home, I'm going to need my car. So mm. just tell me the hospital and I will meet you there. I'm going to drive my car. Yeah. And so I got out of the ambulance. They took him off. I grabbed my bags and everything, uh, you know, made sure I told the hospital staff what they needed to do and like kind of updated them on the situation and updated grandma on the situation. Mm-hmm. Grabbed my keys, went to the hospital. I've never been so happy that I studied Japanese in my entire life because I had to fill out all of the hospital forms because I do it. <laughs> And so, and I could understand everything, like literally everything that the doctors and the nurses were saying to me. Like, I've never understood so much Japanese in my life. Wow, you were, and, you were focused cool. as fuck in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I came, you know, I got everything worked out. I came home, got a bunch of uh, his stuff together to take to the hospital because the doctor said he had pneumonia and uh, a quarter of one of his lungs was like infected, Aww. like fully infected. Mm. And um, so I went home, grabbed all of his stuff and went, bought him some new pajama pants because he really didn't have any that were in good shape. Mm. And I, it, you know, I don't want to put him in old nasty clothes when he's yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got him new underwear and new socks and some new pants and <laughs> went to the hospital, dropped that off, made sure everything was right. Then I came home and I had to tell my daughters, just like I said, okay, daddy's fine, mm-hmm. but he's not coming home for a couple of days because it was safer for him to be at the hospital where he can get medicine right away. And yeah. so they were like, eh, you know, nice. and they were fine. 
And then I taught English. And then my husband was himself. I think he was kind of delirious from the fever and sending me very dark messages. And (laughs) I was just like, you're fine. You're fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. So, yeah. But even now, because, I mean, he's still in the hospital. I haven't really, like, processed it. All I'm focused on is getting done what I need to get done. So as soon as I'm done with this podcast today, I'm going back to the hospital to bring him shampoo because I forgot to pack it up. Oh. So. (laughs) That's sweet. And get his laundry. So. Yeah. But um, while we're talking about this, I'm going to explain a little bit of the neuroscience behind why. People with ADHD typically do better in crisis than neurotypical people. Yes. Why? Don't rely on my garbage science. (laughs) No garbage science here. We don't, we, we we reject that. Okay. So. You reject it. I think it's fun. (laughs) We like our brain sparkles or whatever it was. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, on to the real science. Yeah. I never got, I never got the sparkles. Okay. So. I know that everybody has heard about brain waves and you know that you have electrical impulses in your brain and your brain has different wavelengths. Whoa. Now, typical people typically people will break this into four different brain waves, but there's actually five. And um probably everybody is most uh familiar with the delta wave, which the delta wave is your brain wave while you're asleep or uh dreaming you know, that's the delta wave. That's the slowest of all of the the brain waves. And uh, you need that to in order to refresh your body, build memory storage. It's very important to, you, to your uh, your health and your brain cycle. So mm. even though Ellen hates to sleep, Ugh, you know, so boring. your <laughs> delta waves, I know your delta waves are very important. Um, yeah, yeah. Then at the most active, the most active brain wave is your gamma your gamma brain wave and your gamma brain wave is responsible for all of your problem solving and concentration. Mm. So it's the fastest moving. The gamma uh, brain wave has not, it's usually typically people will put four brain waves and leave out the gamma. Um, but neuroscience has shown that, you know, this, the gamma brain wave is a distinct brain wave in and of itself. And it's responsible mm. for, your hard concentration, which is why people who concentrate a lot or do a lot of problem solving uh, use up more of their mental uh, energy. Um, so what were the what are the other waves? So that's your gamma. Uh, okay. Next is your beta. And uh, beta brain waves are just, you, you know, you being awake, your busy, active mind, you know, thinking about the things you need to do. And uh, the next one is your alpha brain waves, and your alpha brain waves are like more of a restful and reflective kind of brain wave, not completely activated into the task, but still kind of you know the active, but not completely active. And your theta brain wave is an important brain wave for ADHDers, mm-hmm. and theta brain waves in a neurotypical person are the brain waves like when you're feeling drowsy when you're like feeling like you're getting ready for sleep and you know kind of like the thoughtlessness and your mind goes blank brain wave cuz you're just tired and the thing with the theta brain waves and the alpha theta and alpha are both the brain waves that ADHDers tend to be hyperactive in oh. like more 
you spend more time in the theta and alpha brainwave cycles than you do in beta. Okay. And Mm. so the active brain thinking about, oh, these are the things I need to do. That's not as activated. That's actually underdeveloped in in most ADHD brains. Whereas the theta and the alpha brainwaves are more developed. Now, there have uh, a lot of uh, studies have been done about uh, neurological feedback uh, as therapy and uh, training your brain to recognize the beta brain waves and learn how to switch those on and activate them in ADHD brain. Whoa, brain therapy. That's cool. It's like training your brain. Yeah. And that's a, that's a field that that's a uh, field of research that right now in uh, therapy is being explored. Oh, that's cool. So then since we would have, so the alpha and the theta brain waves are the ones that we have that are really developed for ADHD, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay, yes. good. I, they're I'm glad overdeveloped. That I, overdeveloped. Okay, okay, so they're overdeveloped. So then if we also had the beta brain waves that like, and, and we had them up to a really good level, we would be like superhuman. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe not, but like, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it sounds like we would have then an advanced brain or something like that. Mm-hmm. That'd be neat. Yeah, and so that's actually a, f- a field of study right now. And um, there's a lot of focus being put on that kind of therapy. And, uh, wow. you know, there's, there's, sci- uh, there's science showing that it's very effective. Uh, and there's some research that shows that it doesn't do it so much, but... You know, uh, neuro-linguistic programming is a a very real thing. And so if you're using feedback theory, you can possibly train your brain to be able to, you know, recognize when you're entering into a beta state or when you need to Hmm. and be able to train your brain that way. So it's kind of a very interesting field of study. Wow. When are they going to invent? I just need someone to invent like a little machine you can buy and just, you know, just a little device you put on that kind of gently shocks your brain or whatever it's doing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like a a portable EEG or something. TENS unit. Oh, actually, (laughs) yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's funny. Some kind of I mean, I, I assume you could probably mess up your your neurology using a tens unit on your head. Yeah, like, that might hurt. Yeah, well, it could really it could interfere with electrical impulses mm. in your brain. I read, I like because I actually I have a tens unit and I I'll use it for mus for like muscular pain or or whatever. Like if I like overexert, but um. But yeah, like I, I was like, oh, I wonder if you could like shock your brain with it. And mm-hmm. I looked it up one day and, and and there were so many warnings like don't put this anywhere on your head oh. or face. Like, But then there are some places that are like, no, you could use it on your jaw for TMJ, mm-hmm. but you have to put it in a really specific spot, um, Interesting. you know, so that you don't. And everybody's nerve nerve paths are in a slightly different area, yeah. so you do have yeah, to. Yeah, no really two brains are alike. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hope that I hope that in the future we kind of learn more about our brains. You know, and maybe maybe yeah. get, just yeah. get more. It'd be nice to have kind of a individualized report about your. You know, like there's plenty of allergy tests out there and whatnot that you can get a report and see how your body processes foods. It'd be nice to get a report about your brain. You know. 
here's your brain roadmap. Here's your chemistry in there. Here's what's going on in there. Here's the neuropathways. Yeah. Maybe in the future, we'll have more of that. Maybe we'll be able to poop in a bag and mail it in and they can tell us about our brain. <laughs> exactly. How are they going to get a scan? Nice callback. You'd, you'd have to get a scan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully for this one, there's no poop needed to put in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, so getting back to crisis oh, modes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the reason that ADHDers tend to do better in cri- crisis mode is because our brains are already operating in the alpha and theta brainwaves. And so when a crisis happens... Our brains are already at a lower level. It's not hyperactive at all. So we kind of see the situation as it is. Yeah. And then and then because it's interesting, we hyper focus into it. Aha. Uh-huh. And then that's how we get our dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. It makes so yes. much sense. Dopamine. And sweet, sweet dopamine. In those moments we just kind of assess the situation, figure out what's important. What is it what does our brain need to know to fix this problem? you know mm-hmm. yeah it's almost like this moment of clarity sometimes yeah and that's weird like because I feel like in really tense situations I do have like this overwhelming clarity that I lacked before mm-hmm. like um, when my husband had a heart attack and I had to like react really quickly to that situation I was just really clear and I wasn't freaking out. And like, I mean, I was a little bit shaky and I did have, you know, feelings about it, but, but I was a lot calmer than I have seen some people become with health crises or issues or, you know, like there are people who will just start wailing and screaming immediately and they just lose their heads and they can't function. And I'm just not like that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So like just focused right in doing what has to be done. It's interesting, like how everybody reacts differently to this. And I guess this is the ADHD, the benefit to having ADHDers out there in society is that we're going to be the ones who are like calm and standing our ground in the worst kind of crises. Well, yeah, I, and everybody else is going to be running around. I think <laughs> like, I, I think I read that a, a lot of people in kind of high stress, like action type jobs, like, you know, paramedics, firefighters, like a lot of them have ADHD. They're just kind of called to that uh-huh. because they've always been like that. They've always been so calm in a crisis. But I bet they hate yeah. doing all the paperwork that's involved with their job. You know, oh, that's yeah. probably the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I stand on stage in front of like tens of thousands of people and like, you know, where normal neurotypical people would have that fight or flight re- yeah. you know, reaction kick in. I have nothing. Yeah. I'm just you like, just, you go for it. Yep. It's yep. no problem. Yeah. 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 I love that. It's just time to perform then. Mm-hmm. Like you just mm-hmm. go and do it. Yeah. Get get her yeah. done. It's just a switch. Like it's just, it's kind of like, okay. You know, I don't feel very different off stage than I feel on stage. That's interesting. So. Yeah. It's almost like we, yeah, we know what needs to be done and we're just going to do it to the best of our ability and. Yeah. Compartmentalize it later. If, if there's anything that would be stressing us, we just kind of have to ignore that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you ever find yourself in a zombie apocalypse, find the ADHD. Yeah, we're going to be solving problems, figuring out what to do. Yep. 
Hold on. There is one crisis situation here. Ooh. Hey, children in the next room, shut up. <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs> crisis, crisis. Sorry, everyone. Crisis averted. Yeah. <laughs> crisis has been averted. Mm-hmm. They know I'm in here recording and they just have to go sit right outside the door and be like, <laughs> no, God, why? <laughs> because children don't care. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. And let's face it, none of us are millionaires and we don't have like, you know, $100,000 studios that we're sitting in. We're just we do it at sitting home. in. <laughs> random spaces inside of our yeah, homes this is a <laughs> yeah. what are you talking about my home is my hundred thousand dollar studio space that's that's oh, true unless point. you're in okay, that there you go yeah that's yeah. true but i don't have that luxury i just have mm-hmm. a closet um, a closet yep. <laughs> <laughs> and and it makes sense because you know there's good acoustics in here there's all this stuff blocking the sound it it's not echoey mm-hmm. and crap. I love my closet. You know? But, yeah. Because you're back in the closet. <laughs> yep. Pull out my gun. <laughs> Why Jen and Ellen got to be in the closet? <laughs> oh, it's my, my South God. Park reference for the day. Yep. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. But I think you, uh, I think this whole situation kind of brought up a good point is like when you're a parent, you are constantly dealing with crisis, crises. Oh. God. Yeah. Yes. Oh, never. Ending. I mean, I remember. Never. I ending. remember when my firstborn was a toddler. If I, I, and you know, I've always let my kids eat in the car because I'm a lazy parent like that. But if she, I remember she'd be eating her like a hamburger, and if the burger patty shifted just a little bit and was off center in the bun, she would start screaming, "My burger fell down! My burger fell down!" Like it was a crisis to her that her burger had shifted a little bit. It wasn't perfect looking anymore, um, and I just remember being like, <laughs> "Wow, you're this is here we go. Big feeling about this burger here." <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, well, I mean, you're like dealing with that over yeah. and over and over all day. Mm-hmm. Yes. I've totally had Madison or my, my daughter, I've had totally had my daughter do the same thing where it's like part of something falls apart, especially burritos. She'll she'll be like, Oh my God, no mom, my burrito. No, it's it's falling apart. Yep. Yep. Crisis. So yeah. (laughs) Or if the cheese comes off the pizza, Oh. Oh my God, it's all over. Yep. Yep. But like, you know how a lot of moms like, I, I don't know if this isn't if this was relatable, but it's like your kid will start freaking out and like in the middle of a supermarket and like other moms would be like freaking out too, like panicking, like, oh, my God, my kid is doing this. Like, I'm just staring at my kids. <laughs> <laughs> you were just, what are you you were just unbothered. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like well, I didn't see that as much of a crisis. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing. Well, they, because of you, judgmental you can, people. It's good. You can, we can handle it when these little mini crises, crises, how do you even say that? Crises. 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 Yeah. yeah crises. When they come up, <laughs> it's just like no big deal. Although they do start to get annoying after a while. But <laughs> yeah, I agree. Now, yeah. Uh, 
Unfortunately, we're going to have to make this episode very short because somebody stole my computer charger oh. and I am oh. on low battery. All right. Oh it's been, my it's gosh. Been great, Another crisis. Another crisis. God, yeah. <laughs> Goes with the theme. Well, this was good. Yeah, it was a good day for talking about crises because they're just popping up all over the place. <laughs> Chatty children, empty batteries. Mm-hmm. We've got it all. (laughs) So everybody out there, crises can lurk around any corner. Uh, But (laughs) if you're an adhd -er, you're going to be fine, more or less. You're just going to. Yeah, I know. And that's frozen. Oh, I think we might have lost Annette. Uh Uh-oh. Oh! All right, we better wrap this up. But her image is frozen. Oh my god, that's funny. Okay, so for listeners out there, um, thanks again for being with us, uh, especially in our time of crises. Yes, thank you. Uh, And yes, thank you. And if you um, if you happen upon a time of crisis, just understand you've got this. Yeah. Maybe help out a neurotypical friend. I don't know. This is one of those weird scenarios where it's not like we're going to end this session going, hey, maybe you should get some therapy. We're like, hey, be a badass. Just keep going and being a badass. And now you know why we're badasses. Yay. So, yeah. (laughs) So anyway, thanks again for listening. If you guys have any questions, you can always email us at baseltoppodcast at gmail.com or send us a note through our contact form at baseltov.com and uh, we will answer it up and also possibly mention you on the podcast too (laughs) whenever we go to answer that question. So thanks again, everybody. We'll talk to you later. And Baseltov! 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 (laughs) Right?